Good morning, everyone. All right, stand up now to the right. Left. No? Not today? All right. I thought I'd give it a try. Welcome to Christian Yoga. Sorry, no. Christian Calisthenics. Glad to see everyone here today. Amen. Glad you're in the house of the Lord today. And uh, great weather we've been having before we get ready to freeze next week. So enjoy it today. All right. Amen. We started last week a series about uh, the blessed life, about thanksgiving. And uh, we're going to continue that this week talking about blessings in our life. And so I want us to pray as we get started here that the Lord would have his way in our class today and all of our classes going on. That as the word of God goes forth, it will uh, do its work. Why don't you join with me in prayer? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for today. I thank you, Lord, for this privilege and opportunity we have to be in your presence. And Lord, I pray that you would move in touch in every class, Lord. I pray that you would anoint every ear to hear your word, to receive what you have for us today. Lord, we want to give you praise and glory and honor for all that you've done, Lord, all that you're going to continue to do, God. We believe you and trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Excuse me. That's either the leaves or the PVC pipe I burned that's got in my throat. I don't know. One of the two. <clears throat> but today we're going to be looking at, uh, again, blessings. But we're going to be looking specifically at remembering the source of every blessing. Remembering the source of of every blessing. And we're going to read from James chapter 1 verse 17 will be our focus verse today. James chapter 1 and verse 17. Uh, and I'm reading from the New King James, New King James not Jane's. Uh, it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Though Jesus often avoided Samaria when they traveled, many chose to travel the long way around to keep from having to have any contact with the Samaritans. Despite that, Jesus decided several times in Scripture to go ahead and enter the area of Samaria. And that rhymes. Isn't that great? Jesus was never hesitant to minister to people others wanted to stay away from. Aren't you thankful for that? that Jesus isn't afraid of people that others want to stay away from. But on one such occasion, as he was on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus goes through the midst of Samaria. He's on his way to Galilee. And he enters a certain village. And uh, near the edge of that village, there was ten men standing there, gathered together. And they were ten lepers, outcast to the outside of the village because of the disease they had. And they stand at a distance... And they see Jesus coming, and they know it's Jesus, and they've heard about Jesus, and they begin to call out to Jesus, hoping that he would heal them. And they cried, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus turned to look, it says, Scripture says he was immediately moved with compassion. And he tells them, go show yourselves to the priests. Now knowing that Jesus had the power to heal, obviously they had called to him for a reason, they recognized the significance of Jesus' command. They turned to make their way into town to visit the priest, each feeling something miraculous had happened to them. So with nervous excitement, they begin to rejoice as they talk about how their lives were going to change, as they 
begin to realize that healing has come to them. And these ten men made their way quickly, as quickly as they could. They, some were probably laughing and rejoicing. Some may have been crying. They were celebrating probably in some form or fashion because their life had changed in that moment with one encounter with Jesus. However, in the middle of the celebration, in the journey on the way to the priest, you may know the story, one of the lepers stopped. The others may not even have noticed that he had stopped as they were caught up in what had happened to them. And, but he turns around and he runs back in the opposite direction, the way that he had come from. And Luke tells us when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice he glorified God and fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Then Luke gives us one more description of this man, and he was a Samaritan. I'm thankful today, again, that it doesn't matter where I'm from or what my life has entailed up until that moment. All that matters in that moment is an encounter with Jesus Christ. Let me say, too, that Scripture emphasizes this fact that he was a Samaritan, and we're talking about thankfulness. And this is a time of year when we begin to think that way as Thanksgiving is coming up here soon. And uh, I did like the, the one lesson was entitled, The Posture of Thanksgiving. <laughs> this is the posture of Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> but I, I, we notice in this story as well that thankfulness can come from any background. That it doesn't matter who you are, there can be something that you are thankful for. This man had spent a life of being rejected. First of all, because he was a Samaritan, and then second of all, he was a Samaritan leper. And so when the Jews first rejected him, that was one thing, but now his own people have rejected him. But thankfulness can come from any background. But when Jesus saw the man full of gratefulness and thanksgiving, he told the man, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now we know, if you know the story, you've probably heard this, the other nine may have been healed but the gratitude and thanksgiving of this Samaritan man opened the door to an even greater miracle. He had been healed when Jesus first spoke, but when he returned to the source of his healing, he found a wholeness and restoration that none of the others had found. I think it's important that we encounter Jesus, but I think it doesn't need to end with one encounter. Wholeness came on the second encounter. Well... We don't, let's see, what's this lesson about? Let's not get off. Thanksgiving is a primary attribute of Christian character. Thanksgiving. Throughout Scripture, there's many times when uh, we are admonished or commanded to give thanks or to make thanksgiving. We find that there's the story or the phrase that we get, uh, don't, don't kill the goose that lays the golden egg. I don't know if you have one of those, but if you do, um, then don't tell anyone else because they'll be over at your house, No. But it's just, it's, it's just a little piece of wisdom, and, and simply uh, what it means, especially in this context, is we are to respect the source of our blessings, the source of our income, the source of our security. And it's important for us to realize in our relationship with God that, that in this, that the source of our blessing has to be more important than the blessing itself. The source of the blessing has to be more important than the blessing itself. When we understand the value of the source, it enables us to place the blessing in the right perspective. When we understand the value of the source. 
When we don't have thankfulness and gratitude in our heart when things take place, it shows that we do not have a correct understanding of the source. The, that perspective is that the source is always greater than the blessing. The source is always greater than the blessing. Now, the, well, this can get a little tough sometimes, but the ten lepers of Luke 17, they all received their healing, but only one understood the value of the source. And it was this knowledge, this revelation that led him to return and thank Jesus in that instance. And see, sometimes it's easy for us to forget the source. Sometimes it's easy for us uh, to, to count the blessing as really in our... We know that the blessing is not more important. But Scripture is very clear that you know how someone feels by their fruit. You know what someone believes by their fruit. And perhaps when we look at those nine that did not return, perhaps the reason they did not return is because they got what they wanted. They got what they wanted. You see, that's why when we say we know that Jesus is exactly what I need, He is the answer for everything I need, that becomes a little bit more difficult because we think we know what we need. We come to the altar and if you come at prayer time today, they're going to ask you what you want prayer for. And you're going to mention something. Okay? Many times we come to the altar with a specific need, and I think we should be specific when we ask. But really, we know, but in the circumstance, it gets a little complicated because we got feelings and emotions and thoughts and all these things going on. And sometimes we actually lose track in how we pray and what we're asking for that Jesus is really what we need. Really what we need. Very often, what we think we need isn't even really what we need. <laughs> Very often. And so it's a safe bet to look for the source, first of all. If God honors gratitude, then perhaps we could say that, that, that ingratitude would offend God. Ingratitude would offend God. The fact that Jesus asked in Luke 17, He says in the story, He asked the man that returned, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? reveals that Jesus was concerned about where those were that were not giving thanksgiving. Where are they at? Didn't I heal all ten, but only one returned? The nine lepers who did not give thanks were not only ungrateful, but they separated their blessing of healing from the one who gave them their healing. It was two things. It was healing and Jesus. And somehow they separated those two things in their mind. When the, when the, the person who receives a blessing fails to acknowledge the source, when I fail to say, you know what, it's because of God, then I will begin to put that on something else. I'll begin to attribute the blessing to something else, whether to chance or, or something that we did. Some, sometimes we uh, put it down to, to, to any number of things, and when we do that, it's dangerous because we've separated the source from the blessing. And all of a sudden, we can make the blessing itself an idol, when we don't honor God. You know what? There, uh, yeah, go for it. I'm just giving myself a little pep talk here in my head. <laughs> There's people who seek healing more than God. There's people who seek financial blessing more than they do God. And when you do that, you have made that issue an idol in your life. Anything that has power over you. And we think because we're praying to God for that, that it's all right. Just because things are couched in spiritual terms does not mean that they are spiritual. I've said it before, I can convince myself of just about anything. 
And I can convince myself that, that I'm way more spiritual than I am if I just put some fancy spiritual words around it. But I need to make sure that I am not making anything except God, God. That I am not putting anything in His place. And yes, there's problems. Yes, there's circumstances. I understand all of that. But really what I need is Jesus Christ. This failure to return and give thanks, it, 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 it signified several traits. It was by their fruits. It signified laziness, shallowness, selfishness, disrespect. Or this thing that nobody wants now, but everyone else has. A sense of entitlement. <laughs> That's something we say that other people have, right? <laughs> I'm not ever entitled. Everyone else has that. And we'll look at that here in just a moment. Thanksgiving identifies the source. It identifies the source. When I thank that I'm identifying where it came from, okay? Living in a, in a society that is as blessed as we are, uh, we live in a culture, in a world that no other, uh, no other generations have lived in, the technology and all the different things, and it's easy for us to begin to forget uh, James 1.17, that every good and perfect gift is from above. Because there's not a whole lot that we need. Now, I know if I asked you, what do you need for Christmas this year? We'd all have a list. How many have been working on that since last Christmas? No. But really, in terms of needs, if we were just to go back a hundred years, man, that's crazy. When we need light, we don't have to have kerosene and ventilation for the kerosene so we don't all die with the six kerosene lamps, and we don't have to, we just flip a switch. There it is. When we need clean water, we just hope there's not a boil order, right? <laughs> Wasn't that, isn't it crazy how when these things happen, you're like, man, I don't even know what to do. We'll get you a bucket, go down to the reservoir, and no. <laughs> Filter it. <laughs> when we need food, I know there's times when we're like, man, we really need to go to the store, but for the most part, there's something there. When we, when we need clothes, we just go to the closet, open a drawer, there's usually clothes there. We need to go somewhere, we can get in the car, turn the key, and go. If we have to go, if we have to drive to Chicago, we're like, I'll just go up there real quick and back in a day. A hundred years ago, you're like, man, that's a two-week trip. I don't know if it is or not. I've never tried riding a horse to Chicago. But these, these conveniences only represent the end link in a, in a long chain that, got all, that goes all the way back to the beginning source. The beginning source. Whether the soil, the animal, the minerals, the energy in the ground... It all comes back to God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. I, I had someone tell me this week, it was kind of funny that their kids were in the living room and, and the one called the TV stupid for some reason. And, and the other kid said, don't call the TV stupid because God made that. <laughs> well, now this isn't from the U.S. This is from the United Kingdom to show how ignorant they can be. How smart we are, right? But there was a study done of 16 to 23 year olds about where their food comes from more than a third of them that's 36 percent did not know that bacon comes from pigs and four in ten people 40 percent failed to link milk with an image of a dairy cow which I guess this next group is kind of right seven percent linking it to wheat I guess you got soy and almond and you don't need a cow anymore do you 
<laughs> I'll just let that simmer and let some comments happen. <laughs> It goes on, there's these different stats that people had trouble, uh, uh, there was 11% of them that thought that eggs came from wheat or maize. I don't even know how that works. Most of them consider, well, almost half of them consider themselves knowledgeable about where their food comes from. The results revealed a, a shocking lack of knowledge about how most basic food is produced, that people didn't even know where stuff came from. People don't understand where stuff comes from, that's kind of... Uh, an extreme illustration in our food, but when we begin to think about our daily lives, Thanksgiving identifies the source. How many things in our life do we identify God as the source of? When I pay my bills, do I acknowledge my job or do I acknowledge God? When things happen and I, I'm able to do things, who do I acknowledge as the source of those things? But Thanksgiving, when I begin to thank for certain things or when I begin to thank for anything, I have to identify the source. Believers must never disassociate their blessing of life from the source of those blessings. I can never disassociate those things. And, and again, we live in a, in a blessed society, and, but we can, it, it's too common for us to credit a doctor or medicine or exercise or diet for healing instead of God. It's too easy. We look at our talents, we look at our abilities, our good habits and good work ethics to explain why we have a good job or financial security becomes easy to do these things. And when we do that, our expressions of thanksgiving are misguided. And see, the thing is, is a lot of stuff we know in our head isn't true. We know that we don't have these things outside of God. But how do our actions portray that? How, what do our words say when we're uh, talking about these things? We want to make sure that we are identifying the ultimate source of every good thing that happens to us. Again, James 1.7 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Thanksgiving places a person in the right perspective to the source. Places them in the right perspective to the source. Again, we've heard that phrase, people feel entitled today. They have a mentality that's entitled. That... Again, that refers to the masses of everybody else. It doesn't refer to me because I've never felt entitled in my whole life, right? But that's the idea that people believe that there's certain privileges that should be rights. That they are owed something, that they deserve something, that what they have it, it, it is just, that's what it's supposed to be. And you know what? It's, it's crazy. You know, every, every generation has this. You know, you talk to... You talk to your parents about what they had when they first got married and the stuff that they had, and you look at what you had, and then, then you're, you know, your kid, it's just a crazy thing. It kind of blows my mind when I think about it, what my kids are going to say that we only had, and I'm thinking, you got all this. I don't know how they make it. With only a few forms of digital media in the house, how are they going to make it? They're neglected. I mean, it's just awful. But this entitlement mentality, these are some of the consequences of it. A lack of appreciation for the sacrifices of others. And today, we, uh, this weekend, we celebrate or honor veterans for their service. And that's something that has begun to lack as well, an appreciation for the sacrifices of others. That Whether you agree or disagree with some of the reasons behind that there are men and women that have sacrificed their lives for certain beliefs that we hold true. But you begin to have a lack of appreciation for the sacrifices of others. You know, you're, you're, <laughs> this happens with your kids. They don't care how hard you work for something. 
They don't care how much you plan to get them that special gift for Christmas. They'll just open the box, throw away the paper, break the toy, and play with the box. I know there's times that we've been like, man, they're really going to like this. And they're like, I remember, it was a few years ago for Christmas, we got them something. My wife called and she's like, I got them, this is going to be great, this is going to be wonderful. It just made Cooper mad. We're like, what in the world? So we then took that item and beat him with it? No. <laughs> and it's pretty much sat in a corner. It's like, what in the world? A lack of appreciation for the sacrifices of others. Entitlement mentality is a lack of personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. Everyone has to learn this, and it seems, uh, and again, this is every generation thinks this of the last, but it seems today that a lot of that personal responsibility, people are learning it later and later, the sense of entitlement and responsibility here. Another thing is an an inability to accept that actions carry consequences. Actions carry consequences. Let me just say this too. Actions carry consequences even with God. God is willing to forgive anyone of anything. He's faithful and true when you ask for forgiveness. And you know what? He will not pull that back up and hold it against you. He won't do that. But God does not (laughs) remove all consequences from your actions. Sometimes we get mad at God because we still have to deal with the consequences. Let me tell you, you can be forgiven, but still have to deal with the consequences. We can't ever get mad because of what we've done. You know what that is? An entitlement mentality. There's a lot of people that are upset at God, and it's their own consequences that they're having a problem with. Another thing with this entitlement mentality is that it's an arrogance that assumes privilege and it reflects on the merits of the individual in question. Now that doesn't make much sense. But it assumes a privilege based on the merits of the individual. Okay, That means, uh, for example, someone who's, who's been born with intelligence just assumes that intelli- intelligence is an achievement on their part. It's not. There's a source for that. But sometimes this happens even as children of God that because we live for the Lord, we assume that every gift that we get should be good and perfect. It's reflected in statements like, Lord, why did this happen to me? Lord, what did I do to deserve this? That's an attitude of entitlement. Because it assumes something that God never promised. And it assumes it based on what on who I am, really. So I can come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm nothing, I'm a worthless sinner, I'm nobody. Lord, everything that I have is from you, and then stand up and say, but Lord, why did you let this happen to me? Because we're assuming it's based on our merits there. While policies and laws and ideals can be debated, there is no debate about the divine source of all good things. Thanksgiving, therefore, is not only a matter of action, it puts one in the proper perspective to God. It helps us to remember that the giver is superior to the one who gets the blessing. The giver is always superior. The source is greater than the recipient. The psalmist David 
mentions something like this in Psalms chapter 8, verses 3-5. through five. He says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. He says, What? What is it that God should even, that the Son of Man should even visit with mankind? What is it that, that is anything in us that He is so powerful, that He is so superior, that we should even be allowed to walk in this place today and feel any of His presence? What is it? And yet He does because He is greater, He is mightier than us. And so I don't want to forget that the giver is superior to the blessing, that the source is greater than the recipient. He who crowns the king has more power than the king. Now we can get out into all kinds of conspiracy theories there, right? Because we know who's in power isn't really who's in power. No, I'm, okay. There's the cabal behind everything, right? <laughs> if the state confers power to the leader, then the leader is beholden to the state. That's what our country has, is that we vote for someone, we give them power that they are beholden to us. You should write that in a letter to your congressman or an email. Tell them that they are beholden to you. No, don't. Okay. But Thanksgiving keeps us in right perspective in terms of God's superiority and power. Thus, we are beholden to Him always. Now, this is important too because I'm supposed to crucify the flesh every day. When I remember the source of everything that I have, when I remember through Thanksgiving that He is greater than me, it helps me crucify my desires Thanksgiving is not just a meal. <laughs> Thanksgiving is a commandment given to every Christian. And it's not just something that is beneficial for us to do, but when I begin to thank the Lord, it helps me remember who is the source. It helps me remember who's in charge. In fact, Thanksgiving helps me crucify the flesh every single day because I'm acknowledging something greater than me. Thanksgiving honors the source. It honors the source. All of us are familiar with a salute. You know, like you make your kids salute you every morning. No. I, <laughs> a raised hand when encountering someone who deserves recognition or respect. And there's all kinds of theories about the origin of the salute. It perhaps goes to Roman times when people gestured with their hand to greet one another. Could be that a raised hand signified that a soldier didn't have a weapon and could be considered approachable. The most interesting theory, though, is that in medieval times, armored soldiers had visors covering their eyes or faces. So when they approached uh, a fellow soldier, someone on their side, they would lift their visor to reveal their identity and show themselves to be friendly. Little visor. And that action looks like the modern salute, except for lifting the visor. Sign of respect. Then the person would return the gesture showing that they could be seen. But again, thanksgiving must express itself in words or deeds. There has to be something that honors the source. It has to be expressed in words or deeds. It's not enough to say you're thankful in your heart. It's not enough to say you're thankful in your heart. That's, that's easy. It's got to be more than a thought or wish. Okay? How many of you like it when, uh, you know, I keep referencing kids, but I've got kids, so I guess that's why I keep referencing my kids. You know, when, when they receive a gift or something, whether it's from you or someone else, uh, you, you want them to say thank you, right? They get a gift from someone, tell them thanks. I already did. You know, that conversation. <laughs> I mean, would you take it if they say, I did, I said it in my head? There's a lot of things I say in my head. 
that, that wouldn't fly with you. You'd be like, what, what's the point of saying it in your head? No one can hear that. They don't know that. But it's in my heart. Well, I'm about to rip your heart. No. <laughs> I'm being really mean to my kids this morning, too. I apologize. But it's got to be something that's more than a thought or a wish. It, it should be demonstrated by audible or observable actions so that God knows and so that others know what's in your heart. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's why it's important when I come to church. If I'm thankful... Well, God knows what's in my heart. Yeah, but none of us do. We think you're mad. We think you're upset with the world. And that doesn't mean you have to run around the church, but to show thanksgiving, there should be something audible, uh, a demonstration, whether that's clapping your hands, lifting your something, saying thank you, Jesus, something, because it's not enough just to say, well, it's in my heart. In fact, the psalmist says in, in Psalms 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's a demonstration that is required when I praise the Lord. When I show thanksgiving towards God, there should be a demonstration with it. Again, does that, he gives a variety of things. He's like, man, you could bang the cymbals, you could play a lute. If you knew what a lute was, you could Google it and order one off Amazon and bring it to church. You could be a lutist. <laughs> bring a harp. I think someone needs to wheel in one of those big harps to church one day and be like, here I am. <laughs> Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Take some lessons first. <laughs> But he gives a variety of ways, but it's not that you have to play a trumpet or you have to... No, he's saying, do something. Do something to demonstrate. In fact, the psalmist mentioned many times that the trees of the field clap their hands that even creation itself praises him, and not just by standing there. No, it's when the trees are moving, when the waves are coming in, that there is something that can be seen that is audible, that is observable. And so I have to honor the source by demonstrating my thanksgiving. Let me just put it this way. God's worthy of anything I give Him today. In fact, He's more worthy than anything I could give Him. You ever, maybe this is the mentality we need sometimes. I'm going to try and give Him enough honor today. I've never given someone enough honor by sitting in a chair with my arms crossed, my head back, and my mouth open, making... Faint snoring noise. Okay, Thanksgiving. Here's really, this is, this is extremely important here. We're finishing up here. Thanksgiving forms a relationship with the source. Forms a relationship. Perhaps the most important aspect of Thanksgiving is that it expresses the desire for a relationship. We see this in the thought provoking description of the leper who returns to give thanks. And we come upon that phrase again, and he was a Samaritan. Samaritans were the subjects of ridicule and prejudice. With Jesus, this man felt no discrimination or revulsion. The man expected aloofness, arrogance even, but he found in Jesus love and acceptance. In fact, the reason he was healed is because Jesus was moved with compassion. 
You know, it's interesting, this is a little side note, it's interesting to look in Scripture how many miracles were really born out of love. When the Samaritan leper realized that Jesus freely gave the gift of healing to him, though he deserved nothing, he felt a kindred spirit, he felt that warmth, he felt that kindness, he felt the start of a relationship. And that realization burst something inside the man of feeling goodwill towards Jesus, that when he felt that from Jesus, he wanted to give that back to Jesus. And the leper came back because of what he felt from Jesus, and he kneels before Jesus, and he gives him thanksgiving. And it was a meeting, a glorious meeting between the source and the supplicant. And there was a bond formed between the omnipotent God and this leper who was an outcast. If thanksgiving means remembering that God is the source of all good things, then we must devise ways to stay close to the source. We've got to figure out how to stay close to the source. Fasting is a good way to return to the source. Oh, it just so happens <laughs> that we have a prayer and fasting revival coming up. There's been a variety of ways to fast, and in modern times, one of the ways that people have, uh, have decided to have a fast is by a, a media fast or turning off devices and disconnecting digitally from things things that devour our time and attention. And really the point of fasting is about turning our attention back to God. That's the difference between when I fast for church and when I fast for surgery. <laughs> I turn my attention back to God. Now I may be saying, oh please God for this surgery, but the point of fasting is not just to not eat. Because you do that for, there's things you do that for, but the point of fasting is about turning my attention back to God. So whether it's food, whether it's media, whatever it is, what it is, is it's pulling me away from these other things and drawing me back to the source. And really, I have to get back to the source before I can have a relationship with the source. And sometimes when I begin to pull some of these things away, it begins to generate thankfulness in my heart as well. You would be well served to separate yourself from all distractions and isolate yourself for a time to focus on the source of all your blessings. It would be a good thing to focus on the source. Jesus knew about and practiced this withdrawal. And in Luke chapter 5 it says, And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Again, Jesus repeated this practice before he was betrayed. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said he went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. <laughs> How many of you have got down and prayed and said, Lord, I pray this hour passes? No, I'm kidding. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, this is why when I fast, when I separate myself, it's things of the flesh that I have to watch out for because it's my flesh that gets in the way of the Spirit. Now, if you know your Spirit's been willing plenty of times, but it's the flesh that gets in the way. And, and this, this may be an unfortunate news flash for you, but you will not get rid of your flesh. Don't know if you knew that. I heard someone... Uh, uh, 
he's gone on to be with the Lord, but he said one time, he said, I would rather deal with the devil because you can cast him out. <laughs> you can't cast someone's flesh out. That's why Paul says, I have to crucify the flesh. I have to die daily. There's no point where you get to, you're like, yep, got it conquered. In fact, try that. See what happens. No, don't really. But I have to die daily because the Spirit is willing every day. I wanted, Paul says, I, those things that I want to do, I, I, I try to do them and I can't do them. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing them. And how many of you had days like that where it's like, man, I wanted... I woke up today on fire for God. I was going to do everything right. I was going to, I was doing, and then it just all fell apart because of the flesh. And so it's important for us to separate ourselves from these distractions sometimes, to, to crucify our flesh in different ways, for a time to focus back on the source of all of our blessings. We find in Romans chapter 1, we find Paul opens his letter to the Romans. And it's a passage that many of us know the ending of. The ending is, ends in a people that is given over to all kinds of sexual sins and homosexuality. We know the end of it. But in verses 18, uh, starting there of chapter 1, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. So that means His faithfulness, His love, His peace, His joy have all been clearly seen in creation. Since He made it. Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and the Godhead... <laughs> that's, that would take me a little bit to, if we look into that. But he said, since I created the world, the world reveals the Godhead. Now I've looked out at the sunset, ooh, that's beautiful, and God's wonderful, and look what he did. But he said, you can look out at what I've made and see the Godhead. Anyway, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, here it is, they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They knew God, but they didn't glorify Him as God. All of a sudden, they began to worship the created things. All of a sudden, they begin to worship the flesh. All of a sudden, God gives them over to uh, all kind of sexual impurity. So there was that already working in their life, that they were seeking after the lust of the flesh. They were seeking after these things. And all of a sudden, even though they knew God, they didn't know God anymore. Because they took the created things, and they were not thankful for the source. And we see the end of that and be like, oh man, that's awful, the end of it. But it all started when they began to quit being thankful and acknowledge God as the source of all things. Let me tell you, thankfulness is something that's important in our life. It's not just something that needs to happen around this time of year when the entire world knows it. Well, not the entire world. That was a dumb statement. I just revealed my... The whole world is not celebrating Thanksgiving this month, just in case you didn't know that. <laughs> the whole world did not land on Plymouth Rock. <laughs> but while those around us, you're going to see stuff that people that don't even care about God are going to have things up about Thanksgiving and being thankful for stuff. 
But the point is, it's not about being thankful. That is important, but it's about acknowledging the source of it as well. That every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. If I want a relationship with God, if I want to honor God, if I want to make sure that He stays in the right place, then I need to be thankful, and I need to be thankful to the correct thing in my life. As we finish this morning, we look at the nine who did not return. There's people who have put forward suggestions about why did only one return? Why did the nine keep on going? Perhaps the first one thought his disease just suddenly got better on its own, so there was no one to thank but his lucky stars. Well, I guess that just worked out fine. Perhaps the second one thanked the priests for proclaiming him clean. But he never made the connection between Jesus' words and the healing. He thanked the priests. Now they were important because they declared them clean, but they were not the source of the healing. Perhaps the third one purposely avoided Jesus because he had heard of Jesus' high demands. He just wanted to be healed physically and then get on with his life. He didn't want to be confronted with Jesus' demand for discipleship. We'll leave that one alone because that one's a little bit more difficult. Perhaps the fourth one ran home to his village to see and to hold his wife and kids that he may not have seen for who knows how many years. Because of his disease, he had been forced to abandon all of them. Now he had a chance to recommit to his family, to be the husband, father, to be all of those things, provide financial security for his family. And so his healing provided him the way to get back to his family, but all of a sudden that became more important than Jesus perhaps the fifth one had every good intention those are the best things right good intentions he had every good intention to return to thank Jesus but life just got too busy so we forgot about going back to Jesus just like I do with people's texts that's why I should not read texts <clears throat> the little thing that says I have a text annoys me more than an unanswered text so I just need to not read them <clears throat> Perhaps the sixth one thought, I've had such a hard life, God owes me this one. He owes me this one. Perhaps the seventh one was so stressed out about all the parties that were surely going to happen and all the things he'd have to host before his homecoming that he didn't have time to go back and find Jesus. He would be too busy celebrating with everyone else to honor Jesus. Perhaps the eighth, just wanted to get over his past and focus on the future. That's who I was. I'm going to be someone else now. Perhaps the ninth one was going to go back to thank Jesus, but he wasn't about to walk beside another Samaritan. Perhaps he was a Jew. The tenth and only thankful leper was a Samaritan. Now that he was healed and clean, he was a Jew in good standing again. He didn't want to defile himself by standing next to a Samaritan so he thought, I'll do it later because I don't want to stand next to that person. Let me just tell you that whatever their reason for not thanking God, perhaps none of those you're like, man, those are all dumb. But whatever the reason is that you have in your life for not thanking God, let me just tell you, don't forget, the nine missed out on wholeness. They missed out on wholeness. I know we don't like to hear this a whole... Well, we probably don't ever hear it, but... 
that my wholeness depends on me. While I'm waiting on God to do something in my life, perhaps He's waiting on me to thank Him for what He's already done. You see, it was a progression. God healed them. They went their way. There was one that returned, said thanks, and he got more. (laughs) You don't like to just keep giving gifts and get no thanks in return. You don't have to get a gift in return, but at least if they would have just said thank you. I wonder how many times I've received things from the Lord and I've written it off as something else or that's just how it happened or that was just life or, or whatever and, or I've still focused on what is not right with my life that maybe God could have healed my leprosy and restored what I had lost but I'm here to challenge you today do not lose sight of thankfulness do not lose sight of the source because the most important thing, greater than my healing or anything than, uh, of that regard, is returning to the source to begin a relationship with Him. It's what God desires, is a relationship. Amen. I want us to stand this morning. We're going to be entering into our service here in just a few moments. But in closing today, I wonder if we can just thank the Lord. Maybe you've already thanked Him a bunch. It doesn't hurt to thank Him again. Amen. Let's just join together in thanksgiving to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we come before you, first of all, thankful just to be in your presence today, God, that you have allowed us to gather together. Lord, I'm thankful for each person that's here, that you have brought them to this place, Lord, that we can worship you in spirit and in truth together. And Lord, I don't ever want to forget to return and give you thanks, God. And Lord, I'm not thanking you for any other reason. I'm not thanking you so that I can get something else, Lord. I'm thanking you because I want, I want to acknowledge you, God. I want to be in relationship with you, Lord. I, I want to make sure that you know that you are the priority of my life, Lord. And my thanksgiving honors you. It, it, it lifts you up, God. It puts you in the right place in my life, God. So I want to make sure that I'm constantly thanking you, Lord. Helping me to realize, Lord, that you are the source of every good and perfect gift, Lord. I give you praise and glory and honor today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here in Sunday school. We're going to take a few moments and we'll be starting our main service here shortly.